Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. The host for this episode is Patrick Wu. Patrick is a freelance graphic designer, UX designer, and marketing consultant with a background in biotechnology and life sciences commercialization. His career has taken him across a wide range of areas, from sales and marketing, government advocacy, ecosystem development, and now design. Since 2016, he has since been an active member of the Rainforest community, advocating for technology innovation and life sciences in Alberta. And now I'll toss the microphone over to Patrick as he has a chat with Susanna Taz. Take it away, Patrick. Thanks, Al. So hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast. Um, I am Patrick and I am here with Susanna Taz. Great to have you on because I believe we met um, at the user experience meetup group like quite a while back. Um, we were both kind of doing the same little portfolio challenge uh, thing as we were doing so. So it's so great to connect with you again, Susanna. Totally. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I feel very honored. So, you know, you've, you've been in and around the community, but I think it would be nice to know kind of, you know, who, who was Susanna? Like, how, how were you, how did you get to where you are today? Like, maybe, maybe just kind of give a quick overview for everyone. <laughs> I'll give you the quick overview because it can also be the long story. <laughs> Well, it's funny because like 20 years ago or so, like I did a computer science degree. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I ended up doing that because my now husband was a software engineer. And I fell in love with human computer interaction um, with Dr. Stella Greenberg at the university and group lab at uh, University of Calgary. And it was awesome because you could be creative. Like our first assignment was to create a button that reflected our personality. So this is like back in the day. So using Visual Basic and... uh, uh, paint like Microsoft Paint. So I like did a picture of myself in paint, and then I did like a paper bag, and you click the paper bag, and then things would come out of it. So it was like a butterfly or barbed wire, sunshine, and then the little picture of you would build up. And then it did a dance at the end because I love to dance. And I got to play with like these physical user interface stuff too. So like these server motors and things, and they were called fidgets. Um, and I did like a flower that blooms, and you could hook it up to whatever like the light in the room or your stock market. Um, and then I went on and I did some. Uh, uh, grad courses undergrad because I was really interested and I created uh, Buddy Bugs, which was for MSN Messenger for those old enough to to know that back in the day. <laughs> oh, that is a name I have not heard in a long, long time, man. I know, right? So it was like it was before Facebook. It was before like all these other types of messengers, and so I created these bugs. And originally, I wanted to have it like really uh, gentle on the table because we were studying ambient computing, so taking things off the computer and putting them back into your environment. So, you know, like the light in the room or different types of things to be able to have that interaction. So uh, I thought it would be really cool if you could have these beautiful things on your desk that were just there. And if a friend wanted to talk to you, it could light up or move around. And if you wanted to talk to someone, you'd pick it up and just hold it. 
the tech at the time was bigger than that. So it ended up being this, like I made a paper mache leaf and worked with like the environmental engineers to create like this plexiglass box, which now you could do with a 3D printer. But at the time was the, you know, the robot that filled the entire room. Which, so that was really cool too. Um, yeah. And then I got a, and then that both of, both of those projects were uh, published. One was in uh, the Austrian Siemens tech um, magazine. And then the other one I did at ski graph and presented there too and it's neat because it's been cited and and used in other papers and for things so that was great but then when i went into industry um human computer interaction really wasn't a thing unless it was more research um so i ended up doing uh web development with uh c and um that type of thing and it was good. And then I, I just, I like to do things and to be a helper, it drives me. And so I ended up kind of getting into the project management um, uh, role and it was great, but at the same time, the values of business just didn't align with me because it was really just about the money and, and not about the people, which wasn't okay. And then I used to wake up with dreams about being a teacher. So I was like, all right, I would go back to school and be a teacher. So I did that. And I was an elementary school teacher um, using inquiry, which is really like, not just project-based, you know, looking at questions like, you know, what values are important in our lives and what's our legacy. And so all the curriculum is, is taught through that. And I really enjoyed that. But uh, after having my kids, it uh, just the amount of energy that teaching takes and what teachers put in, it's like, I think that besides parenting is like the hardest job in the world, um, truly. And anyways, so then I was like thinking like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And I was, I was really um, unsure because I was like, do I do my master's? Do I do whatever? But anyways, it ended up very serendipitous because uh, it just happened. I was like, well, what happens if I went back into software? And then my grounding, who's at Calgary UX, he, he was my TA in my software engineering course back in the day. We've been good friends. He was a DJ at my wedding. And uh he was like, yeah, UX. And I was like, what's UX? And then he was like, come check this thing out. And so it was like a Calgary UX thing around careers that evening. So I went and I was like, oh my God, this is now a thing. So I was like, I was so excited because it used to be human computer interaction. And then all of a sudden it was like this whole new world opened up. And I was, so then I researched it and, and started looking at what you needed in things and then started talking to people because that's what I love to do too. And I just met all these amazing people and you know, talked with one of my friends who worked for Evans Hunt. And then I got to talk to her old boss and ask like, what, what do you think I need to do? And then he put me in touch with IDOU and um, talking about that type of thing. And then I found with Calgary UX and talking to Lewis, and then it was like Startup Calgary and then talking with Startup Calgary and they put me in touch with Rainforest. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is a thing. Yeah, no, there's 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 a whole chain of people that uh, you you can follow through really quickly, and I mean that is I guess part of the rainforest like motto, right? Is that we are a community of communities, and you'll you'll just see everyone kind of at the intersections at at our at our meetings. So you you did mention that you you kind of went into teaching for a little bit. Um, how how do you think that has like do you think that's kind of helped you as you were as you were trying to kind of get back into UX or is, do you think there were some kind of like places where you can like maybe bring your teaching experience into into design? For sure, and it's really interesting because when I reflect on on teaching, like teaching is design. So you have to design everything and you have to do it based on your users' needs versus the students as well as like the curriculum and, and the school and everything like that. So it, it's constant and you're in a constant state of iteration and reflection. 
Um, and you're not just designing, you know, for a very um, systematic thing where you're like, okay, let's go test this now. And then we're going to come back. It's like, no, it's like you have these, you know, however many individuals that are unique, amazing beings, and you're trying to meet the needs of each and every one of them. Um, so that's like, that really added to it. And then um, also with just my own process and things like that, the, the neurodiversity and things like that. So I really dove into that in, in terms of empathy education and emotional intelligence um, and just diversity in general, indigenous ways of being in the world, which is another passion of mine. Um, and all of that, because it's like being human, like, and also like I, I've traveled pretty good. I wouldn't say like crazy extensive, but I think it's like 33 countries or something like that uh, and lived in some of them too. So just having different perspectives and things and, and really being able to empathize with people, I think is a huge, huge richness that you can bring to the table. So tell me a little bit more about this neurodiversity uh, work that you've done then. Like, is, is like, have, have you been able to kind of put that into practice somewhere? Is this just an interest of yours or have you actually been able to do something uh, in that, in that area before. Yeah. You know, um, so, so with that too, it was like a personal journey as well with our family, with our kids and, and having neurodiverse children. And then within that, it's like, um, you know, finding out that I'm neurodiverse. Um, but it's interesting too. So with that, especially for my kids being able to dive into that and like <laughs> a girlfriend of mine, whose kids are also neurodiverse and things, uh, we say we have, uh, penny, uh, PhDs <laughs> because we have like spent so much time and energy, like gone to conferences and workshops and done research and, you know, joined all these committees and done all these things and advocacy and, and things like that. Um, and it's still misunderstood in, in many ways. Like it's like scratching the surface. It's like, why would our brains be any different than the rest of our bodies? Right. So like your eyes are, we both have eyes, but they're different. We both have hair, but they're different. Um, so I think because we can't see the brains, it's it's been a, a little bit different. And it's I think it's a big paradigm shift too, right? In terms of world of normal and what does normal even mean? Is there a normal? Um, and just being able to meet people where they're at and and realizing that each individual, no matter what, is is beautiful and you know exactly where they need to be at the moment. Yeah, and I, I think if you really kind of think about it, the brain being like the most complex organ in the entire body, you if, to expect that they're all the same between people is silly, honestly. Um, so that that's real that's really interesting stuff. Yeah, and it's it's neat. Like I and then I did like um, uh, courses on on learning differences and things like that too, and. And just that type of thing, because and it, I mean, it is still taboo, right? Like there's I remember with uh, doing with Caddick with ADHD and, and talking with the president. And I was like, what about this? What about this? She goes, no one wants to be the poster child. Like no one wants their face and their family or to say like, hey, this is me. And I was like, interesting. Um, so I think in terms of like normalization, you know, um, and I think that it's really great when it comes to like mental health and things that there's more of a push and an awareness and an acceptance and normalization around those types of things so that we can talk about that. Do you, do you find that it's more, um, for lack of a better word, normalized now? Like, do you find that more people are talking about their own uh, mental health struggles, challenges, or or whatever the word is? I think so. Like, I don't think it's like full throttle. And I think it would also depend on on your own community and 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 also the um, context right because you know if you're at work and you need your job you know you don't want to give anything away that's going to impede you um you know being able to support your family or yourself especially 
with uh, the stresses with COVID and everything too. Um, so I think there's there's still work to go, but I think that especially with you know pronounced people in society coming forward and saying, hey this is who I am. This is my life. You know, it opens the door um, for people to have those conversations more and more. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, let's, let's go back a little bit then. How, like, were you always this kind of creative uh, person as a, as a kid? Like, what, what was Susanna like as a child? <laughs> it was really interesting. I, not until I was more of an adult, I never considered myself creative because the girlfriends I grew up with were like, savant creative like my one girlfriend she could like put a pen to paper and create like this beautiful novel like right from the start or another one was like you know she's now you know um works at the art university you know and she's a a full-time artist so it was just i compared myself to those people and then i also had an art teacher in junior high and i did like the hand drawing the hands you know that sketch and i did it and i handed it in and he goes you cheated you didn't draw that. And I was like, what? So I just gave up. I was like, well, why? Why? What a bizarre thing to say. Though. I know. I know. And that's the power of, of people in your life and authorities and, and teachers. It's like the power of words, you know, and to be really kind of mindful of how do I land with other people and, and being respectful for that and just being really authentic. So, yeah, but it was, I mean, it's a really good life lesson too, right? Like all of these different kind of nuggets that we get. It's like, I always look for silver linings or, uh, you know, what's the learning in this? How, you know, what, what's the magic? Um but yeah, I was actually quite shy growing up too. Like I was quite outgoing and things like that. But I think um, just stuff from my childhood and being bullied a bit and stuff like made me quite reserved and shy. And then it was really neat just like, you know, um, coming into myself. I think it was around grade six with my the best friend that uh, with the writing, uh, Emily, it just allowed that creativity and just like that, that joy. And it was really just, you know, embracing yourself fully. So that was quite fun. Do, do you consider yourself relatively artistic now then or? I think so. Like it was, it's quite neat. Like I've, I've done painting classes, like not really classes, classes, but kind of dabbling stuff. And it's like, ha, look at that. That came out of me. Um, but like my mom was an artist. She stopped because she had children, but like she's crazy, ridiculous. My grandmother from Sweden has passed away now, bless her. Uh, I remember visiting her and uh, she did watercolor and she just did like this one little pencil line and then she would touch like three or four colors and all of a sudden it was this country scene with this beautiful cottage. I was like, how did you do that? So I know that it's like, it's in me um, and it's just, I don't know, it's, it's the expression for me of like the universe expressing through and just creating magic and, and beauty and cool stuff in, in the world. Um, and it just brings joy, like the aesthetics. Like I think I can't remember which the podcast was, or if it was the, I think it was a TED talk with a guy from uh, Design of Everyday Things, and he was talking about aesthetics and fun. And his that was his thing because it's like, you know, you can have an object like a functional thing, or you could have a functional thing that brings joy. And so it's like really again about that interaction and you know why the purpose of things. Like why are we doing it? Like what are we what are we bringing to the table and what are we putting out there into the world? This is Don Norman, wasn't it, of Design of Everyday Things. I still have his book 
It's still sitting on my bookshelf. I have I have not opened it. I really should, considering this is my job now. Um. Oh, I know. And you know, it, it's super, super great. And it's one of those ones where you could just kind of like touch in. And I remember when we did our HCI back in, in university, like we looked at that stuff too with with him. And uh, it's so neat when you, when you start looking at the world through design, right? Because you're shifting and you have to be very observant and you have to be very curious, right? Which I'm naturally curious. I'm always trying to figure things out and, and that. But you're like looking at things and just, you know, when you look at bad design versus good design and or just those considerations, you get lots of funny stuff out of it, too. Yeah, no, like that was definitely so I also took an HCI course like, you know, later than you. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll be blunt about it. But uh, one of the one of the things that our professor had told us at the time is like even basic things, like if you think of like a big glass door, like a fully transparent glass door, but you have those metal bars, you can set it so that if it's a horizontal bar, you know instinctively to push it. But if it's a vertical bar, you know instinctively to pull it. And there's actually a lot of cases where people forget that. And so you just have a horizontal bar on both sides. And then you see a lot more people struggling to see which direction this door is supposed to go, because otherwise no one can tell. Um, so that was one lesson that st- stuck out to me. It's like, yeah, I guess even just like really mundane things all around us are all considerations that someone had to have thought through, whether, whether you know, it's a lot or a little, um, but then that has consequences about how people use it, which is why this whole field of user experience is such an interesting one to me. Oh, I know. It really, it really, really is. It's amazing. And because I mean, everything in our world, everything began as a thought, right? Like everything. And then those thoughts became physical or systematic or, you know, organizational. And, and that's, I think that the two kind of like in this, this UX field and, and just where we are today is just that, oh my gosh, we can actually stop and question and say, what is it that we actually do want? Because we have the power to do those changes and we don't have to accept things as they are, um, just because they've been inherited. Um, So I think it's like, you know, really that questioning and that curiosity. I guess maybe the other question I'm really curious about is that, you know, you took HCI quite a while ago and then you kind of left it for a little bit and then came back um, now, now kind of almost rebranded as UX. But in your mind, how, how do you think that's evolved over the past like number of years? Well, how, how has, how has user experience design evolved in your perspective? Because, you know, you, you had the, um, you had a little bit of what it was before and what it was now, but then that gap in between, like, must have been quite a shift for you then. Yeah, it was. It was seriously like, oh my God, UX is a thing. I can't believe this. This is so cool. I was like dancing around and celebrating because I was just like, yay, the world's changing. Um, Yeah, it's interesting too because like, you know, back in the day when I did HCI, you know how now when you have um, responsive interfaces where let's say you're looking for a property or something and you have your filters on the side and you have your scrolls and you can move things and then in real time it'll pop up the results. Like on, like on your on your browser when you inspect elements and stuff like that, right? Is that what you mean? Or even that or like, so let's say you're, you're looking for a house her property and you go onto like the realtor's website and you can search through the map and then on the side you could have a panel um that has your filters like price range size number of bedrooms and all those things and then as you change those the interface with the map is going to change in real time so it's going to show you what it is so you're having that instant feedback we were playing around with those ideas when i did hci 20 years ago <laughs> so that was like one of our assignments <laughs> 
Yeah. So that was really cool. And it's neat too, because once I was like figuring all this stuff out and even like this design thinking, like with IDEO, when I did the course through IDEOU and I was like, this is a thing too. Like, oh my God, this is so cool. Like it just, it was blowing my mind. Um, but one of the things I've noticed is like in job titles and stuff. And I think because UX is like, it's grown so much and it's establishing itself, but it's still young. And so there's, you know, even talking about product versus UX versus UI, like there's a lot of like overlap or people have different opinions on things and stuff like that. And and it seems also because it's, you know, anything that becomes a hot topic, you know, people are like, we need this Right. So people are wanting things and and looking at some of the job descriptions, it's like, oh, my gosh, you want someone to be able to do like market research, user research, graphic design, usability, like all these types of things and, you know, do it. And then it's like there's one person on the team and that all lands on your shoulders. I'm like, hmm. you were you were the design person, right? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I I mean, for for me, I, I find that design is is a, a collective collaborative um, entity, like there's definitely things that you're doing personally and on your own, but you know, like the richness comes when you have that diversity and, and have those other people at the table to be able to engage with. So, um, yeah, I think there's, it's still growing, um, and figuring itself out. Um, but it's really exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe then like in your experience or what kind of advice might you give to say an entrepreneur or a startup company that wants to try and get a little bit of UX in their life, but then like does, has absolutely no idea how um, to, to do that properly? Because you said design is a collaborative thing, right? And so how, how do you get UX involved in um, like a sales cycle, for example? Yeah. Um, I think like I've always been like with my software engineering background too and things like that, my, or any kind of thing, it's like, okay, let's take a look at what is the situation, where are the needs, what are the desired outcomes? And then based on that, you pull your tools out of your toolkit to say, hey, let's use this now, or let's use this now, or let's use this now. It's not just like, hey, let's just go through this entire system and, you know, be regimented about it. So for me, um, it would be really taking a look at where they're at, right? So, um, I was really fortunate to be able to help and volunteer with Buoyancy Works startup. And that was a great experience. Like talk about a a really passionate team and a great group of people Um, just in terms of like getting into the user's kind of perspective and and headspace to have that empathy to, to really get in touch. Um, So really at the end of the day, it depends on the part, like on where you are in your startup. Um, But if you're wanting to connect with real people for real needs to be able to do that there's i think there's multiple things and it doesn't have to be big and heavy it can it can be lighter as well mm-hmm. so what, what did you do with buoyancy for those of you who like for those of us who have no idea what buoyancy is oh for sure so in the ecosystem and and also in trying to get a job a lot of resources are around like outplacement if you've come from a larger corporation and, and been let go or you know, in terms of recruiters or companies, but there's not much out there um, for the job seeker long-term. And so John, he uh, he's a behavioral scientist. And so his goal is to help not just like the 10 or the 100 or the 1,000, but he's looking for like the 18 million people that are affected this because it has a big effect on our mental health um, and based on that also our cognitive abilities. So another part of my my passions is neuroscience and, and, and that type of thing and how our brain works. So when you're, when you're stressed, 
your limbic system's like firing and then your frontal cortex, which is your executive functioning and thinking goes offline and you don't have access to that as much. So the more stress you have and the longer the job search goes, you know, your cognitive abilities are narrowed and your, your bandwidth is really narrowed. So what John and, and Hamid and those guys are doing is uh, helping job seekers to increase their bandwidth. So helping them learn how to uh, make little behavioral changes um, so teaching them, and I remember John said, it was like, I'm not, we don't want to just teach them to fish because we don't want to just give them a fishing rod and like the tackle and all this stuff and say, okay, off you go. It's like, that doesn't work. So it's like, you know, doing that and it's through community, um, low touch coaching and, uh, behavioral, um, nudges or, or boosting. Um, so it was really cool. It was really, it was really great too, that, you know, even that they took a, you know, kind of like a risk on me too, right? Cause I'm pivoting in careers and things like that. And it was, it was really fun. And, uh, you know, I hope to be able to help them more in the future as well. Um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I think this is really relevant, um, especially within like the context of Alberta and just how both the, both like our, our economic, um, situation and COVID have both put a lot of people in that situation, that very situation you're talking about. Right. And honestly, I'm looking back on some of the hardest times in my life or when I was unemployed looking for work, cause you're right. It really does start to put a serious toll on your mental health. And so this, this kind of project is, I think, really, really interesting to me on a personal level about how you can help other people cope with that a, a situation that is unfortunately very common um for for people right and it's also because it's it's like one of the things is like your job is so attached to your identity and so that idea of self-concept so when you lose your job it's not just like it's not it becomes really personal like i'm a failure i'm not good where it's like well no 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 it's it's separate from that but just to get your head even around that is uh it's a big journey I think that's a cultural thing too, is that for, for a long, I think North American culture is especially guilty of it, is that we attach so much of our value and self-worth onto our job titles and our salaries and how much money we make. And if we like, if we make more than six figures, we're somehow better than you kind of thing. And I think that uh, really just sets you up for the other side of the coin, where if that job disappears, then suddenly you have nothing to attach your self-worth to, which, um, you know, that is problematic but i am not a psychiatrist and i am not i am and i i am not here to solve that problem but it is it is it is something that i've definitely noticed for sure um so how did you how did you kind of like what kind of um, ux work did you do like what kind of user research did you end up doing uh for for that kind of project so so for part of me too is it was interesting because john was like you aren't just ux and i was like yeah i know i'm like multifaceted and you know Arguably, that is UX, where you you really just touch on a little bit of everything, and then you try to figure out where that intersection is. Yeah, like the the, the generalist kind of thing. So it's really understanding, like, okay, what problem are you solving for, and then is it the right problem to solve for? Because uh, you're trying to figure out what are the real needs of real people. Um, so one of the ones was also just going with the flow with them because they were also part of Junction with Platform, which was uh, a really great experience for them. And uh, one of the ones was like, you know, getting out there and, and talking to more people. So it was like, you know, user discovery interviews and then taking those interviews and taking the, the data points out of them. And so on the data points, you would write like one data point per kind of sticky, like we did it through a mural because we didn't have the, the physical places to be. 
And then what you do is like you put all those data points out and then you start looking for commonalities or threads or, you know, kind of themes and patterns. And then based on that, it's like, oh, this is, you know, like, look at these pain points and look at these pain points. And then, you know, okay, so this is what some of the needs are and things like that. So then you're starting to weave together um, the story. And then from there too, it's like, okay, so thinking about the person so different like what kind of different types of people are going through these things right and then based on on those needs what are you you bringing out from what you can offer so with them it was looking at um, behavioral interventions around job seeking skills and it was really about this job seeking self-efficacy which is like your self-confidence and how you're uh, the frequency and the, um, the different types of methods that you're using. So even just helping to pull those ideas out and kind of visualize them and then put them into into kind of place. Like that's one thing I think is one of my skills too is to help people, um, either individuals, teams, or organizations, is to help them to visualize and and really kind of bring to life what those ideas are so that they become more tangible. Uh, you'll have to talk to John if he agrees. Are you, are you still doing that? Because I see that very recently, as of the recording of this podcast, you just started doing something new. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Well, it's interesting, too, just before we go on to the new part, was that um, so with uh, Civic Tech and Data for Good, they're starting a civic user testing group. So I'm volunteering with those guys, too. And it's great. So it's called Inclusity. Um, and so what that is, is to be able to do um, inclusive diverse testing for product services and, and things in Calgary with real users and, and, and groups that um, don't usually get represented. So even like, you know, with like the homeless or with cups or with senior centers or all these different things. And so buoyancy is doing a pilot. So I was able to help kind of bring those two together to be able to do that. So that's currently underway, which is fantastic. Oh, that's, that's super exciting. I'll, I'll be very interested in hearing what comes out of that one then. Yeah, it is really, really great. So, you know, coming up with the scripts and things like that for the user testing and things like that. And, and then just even that education piece. So I think even those types of things could be really great for, for startups too. Um, yeah. And then through conversations, like I said earlier, um, I had gone to uh, information around the platform and uh, platform Calgary with the Calgary UX and then talking to them um, talking with Jen, I said, Hey, wh- what are you guys doing for design? Cause I have this vision of a design incubator lab where it's just being able to come and, and have it fluid and fluid. Um, and she was like, Oh, inception you, she goes, I can put you into contact with Margo. She's the CEO. So we had, you know, a virtual coffee and had conversations and just really clicked, um, and then had more conversations. And then she's like, got me introduced to the team kind of thing through looking at developing some curriculum for them around full stack product designer, as well as a a tech for non-techies course um, that can be with multiple different layers. And it's neat because, you know, it's, it's a good kind of alignment. So it's, it's been fun to be able to do that. And they've got an office design center at the uh, Calgary library on the third floor. So it was really fun to be able to like go to downtown to Calgary library, which is this beautifully designed place, which like aesthetically and just what that makes you feel to be able to work with them. So that's starting to, to ramp up right now. It's just kind of part-time, but they said that it's going to get busy very soon. Yeah, it is. It really, really is. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, this is also an opportunity for you to kind of bring back some of that teaching and education experience that you, that you had too. And so this is, this is a nice way to kind of bring those two, 
uh, halves together, I think. And so that's very, very exciting when you're when you're able to kind of find that little niche that you can that you can really fit in and fill. So that's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And, it, you know, for me, too, it's it's all about the journey and just being really kind of present and, and, and taking it all in and then, you know, figuring out moving forward. So what, what's been the most um, maybe just kind of doing a little um little pause, but like what's, um, what's been really difficult for you as throughout this whole journey? What's been the most difficult and what's been like the most amazing, exciting thing that's been, that's happened to you? I think the most difficult was, and it's interesting because it comes back to that idea of self-concept and identity with your, with your job, right? Um, because I'd done, you know, software development, project management, and then went back to school, became a teacher. And then we had our kids and I was home for six years just because I needed to be home with them for for that length of time but then it was like okay i need to go back to work and i was like i don't have the capacity or the desire to go back fully into teaching and trying to figure out what does that mean for me and my identity was really hard you know because it was like am i ever going to figure this out like you know you feel like a failure like and then it was like well do i do my masters do i do this do i do that and it's like i don't know and that was the hardest, I think, was was feeling that there wasn't going to be a fit or a place and, and that, you know, that was quite sad. Um, and I think, you know, for the journey going through it was having to trust and just be like, okay, something's going to work out, something's going to figure out um, and going through that. And then, yeah, just finding that UX in that moment of like feeling that click where you're just like, this is it, this is so cool. But then also having that as like, the spark or the the ignition and, and and knowing that it's allowing for all that type of growth kind of thing um yeah because also one of the cool things too is you know pivoting as um you know i'm 43 now and uh pivoting in this life and i have other girlfriends too and other women in my life where they've had their career maybe they've had children maybe they haven't but they've come to this place where like i don't want to do that anymore and then you know they don't know what, exactly what they want to do but they have so much to offer like so much to offer so i think having i've uh i've registered golden girls yyc as a website because <laughs> my girlfriends and i kind of call each other the golden girls because we're gonna have a retirement home together which is gonna be super fun um yeah and just i think that's like one of my other things too is just excitement and possibility because i do believe anything and everything is possible especially when you come together so I think the excitement to also like finding uh, rainforest and seeing that social contract to me, that was like, hallelujah. Cause it was like, yeah, let's just be good people <laughs> and help each other. Right. And, and, and make cool stuff and, and do good things. So I think that's been one of the biggest excitements as well. Absolutely. I mean, I think, and I think you're not the only person who has this story and has gone through those experiences. Right. I think there's, Plenty of people who, um, you know, have worked in one area their entire lives and now want change of pace. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that not only is that more normal now, but actually the most interesting people I've ever met are always the people who have pivoted into something completely different from what they started with. Um, because that that is actually where you draw on experiences from your past, right? Like I started in biology. I started in life sciences. I thought I was going to do like, you know, lab work and statistics and then realize that the lab hates me. And so like, like the actual bacteria and the tubes, the experiments never worked out for me. And so I'm like, fine, I guess I'll just go on the computer then. And 
Um, now, now, you know, design, design HCI was really interesting to me, always kind of kept that at the back of my mind and then freelanced as a designer for a bit. And now I'm actually in UX as well. So, um, but the thing is, is that like, what's been really good for me is that it's been bringing me a lot of kind of like these research techniques from, from academia and from science, and then trying to apply that in a, in a more like kind of evidence-based engineering discipline. So I, I, you know, you say that you're, you don't consider yourself very creative as a kid. I am not creative in in any kind of artistic sense like if i have to draw something i have to like label it to tell people what it is so like never ask me to do anything by hand you know <laughs> but i think i think that's what's been what's really interesting about ux is that it's such a um flexible field that people can come in from wherever or whatever background and that's actually welcomed because that is how you understand the motivations of people more diverse groups of people because those are circles that you are getting yourself involved in and their experiences that are all very important when you're trying to design something for everyone right so that's that's you know those are those are the kinds of stories that are like really really exciting and you know i'm very very grateful to have this uh opportunity to chat with you and learn learn kind of more about uh, your history, what you've been up to. It seems like things are going very well for you. So congratulations. That's very exciting to see. And hopefully, new, you know, better things will be uh, coming for you in the future as well. Oh, cheers. Yeah. I mean, one of my, my things is I just love being a helper and, you know, uh, contributing and, and making connections and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, thank you ever so much. I guess the last thing I, I would want to ask is, you know, how do how would people find you if they want to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Oh, awesome. Uh, so I am on LinkedIn. So Susanna Taw's on, on LinkedIn. Um, I, I've been working on a portfolio uh, webpage as well, but um, it's coming along slowly because I've been doing other the stuff The portfolio is well. never done. Don't feel I know, bad. I know. I'm not, I totally <laughs> don't feel bad because it's been such a great journey to um, even find my narrative, right? Because that's another piece too, is like, you know, how, like, what are you putting out there? Um, but yeah, the LinkedIn's been quite good too, because it's allowed me to put stuff in. And I, even like when I was doing this pivoting, I actually put that down as a job, as one of my experiences was saying like career pivot and just explaining, you know, what it is uh, around there. So that's a great place um, to be able to find me. All right. Awesome. Well, um, thank you all for uh, your time. And thank you so much again, Susanna, for your time. And um, hopefully we will be uh, back and we'll see you around uh, the Rainforest community then. Totally. Oh, it's, it's Thanks so much, Patrick. Take care. Thank you. All right. Back to you, Al. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is brought to you by Community Now Magazine. Engage, inspire, educate together. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>